2 Timothy 2 and at verse 14. 2 Timothy 2 and starting at verse 14. This is God's word. Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It's of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to, who does not need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them, Herminius and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are of a noble purpose and some ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know that they produce quarrels and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that they will be grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Amen. And we know God will bless to us this reading of his own word for Jesus' sake. Amen. If you have a Bible handy, please do bring your Bible to church. There's nothing like your own Bible. Uh, marking your own Bible, remembering people telling me, oh, I remember that verse being preached on in such and such a place and I underlined it in my Bible. So do uh, bring your own Bible to church. And we're thinking this morning, as you can see, about being useful to the master, being useful to the master. Many, many years ago, one of the world's leading oil companies were expanding uh, their operations into Indonesia. And they were headhunting a guy to lead this crucial work. And they discovered the guy that was best qualified to lead this new operation in Indonesia was a guy who for many, many years had served as a Christian missionary. And they approached this missionary guy and they offered him this very large, attractive salary, which he very graciously declined the company in turn raised their offer and for a second time this guy declined the salary. They came back to him a third time and again they had raised their offer. And he said to them, listen, there's nothing wrong with the salary. The fact is the job, the job is too small. I want you to remember this morning that if you are a Christian, 
grasp this morning, please grasp with me something of the size and the significance of the job that the Lord has called every individual Christian and Kilkenny Presbyterian Church corporately together to do, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let me tell you, there's nothing small about that job. There's nothing insignificant about that calling. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 and at verse 37? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest fields. Do you remember Jesus said in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all nations. I want to say to you this morning, if you're my brother or my sister in Christ, we are so privileged. Why? Because we can be, look at the screen, we can be useful to the master. Over recent weeks, We've been working our way, as you're very aware, through this little book of 2 Timothy. Remember the context is Paul very soon is about to disappear off the scene. The Lord's going to take him home. He's going to be martyred for the gospel's sake. And he's passing on the baton to the next generation of gospel workers. He's passing it on to Timothy. What's Timothy like? We've been learning that he's naturally not the sort of guy that would warm being up front. He's naturally a very timid sort of guy. And Paul's giving him lots and lots of advice. And the passage we read this morning, the key verse, if you have your Bible open, is there in verse 21. I'm giving it to you in the NIV. A little phrase in verse 21, useful to the master. I want to ask you, what makes your spiritual heart miss a beat, so to speak? What fills you with spiritual passion? What fills me with spiritual passion is the prospect of being useful to the master. Is that your longing? My brother, my sister in Christ, is that the hunger of your heart to be useful to the master? This passage, these 12 or 13 verses that we're going to unpack this morning, they describe the sort of person, the sort of man, the sort of woman, the sort of young person that's useful to the master. Look at these words. They set the context of it. They'll come up on the screen. 2 Timothy 2, 14 to 26 teaches us that Christians who are useful to the master will be four things in this passage. Here's the first one. Have we got it there? Grounded in Scripture. That's the first qualification. Grounded in Scripture. Look at verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Apparently, if you look at those words correctly handles, behind them there's a fascinating word picture. And there's a word picture of somebody making a road and they just literally cut it straight and anything that's in the way of the road, they just literally cut through it. Cutting it straight. I remember doing a preacher's course at one time and what was it called? It was based on this verse and it was called cutting it straight. 
because the emphasis here in this word picture is don't go off and buy path meadow. Don't get distracted. Cut it straight. In your preaching, travel a straight line. Too many preachers, and this is a warning to me and a warning to any of us who handle God's word. The temptation with too many of us is is to get diverted or to go on a spiritual detour and not to cut it straight. And you see, Paul is warning against this because there are those around and he's giving Timothy this advice. There are those around and they've gone off and bypassed meadow. Look at verse 14. What have they done? They've quarreled about words. They haven't been cutting it straight. They've got distracted. Look at verse 16. Bypath meadow again. Godless chatter. Look at verses 17 and 18. False teachers. In fact, Paul in verse 17 specifically mentions two guys. Hymenius and Philetus. Who seemed to have once been leaders in the church. This is the scary thing. But they didn't cut it straight. They didn't deliver God's word straight. They didn't stay on the straight path themselves. They went off to buy path meadow. And now according to verse 18, where are they? They're literally denying the truth of the bodily resurrection of the dead. And in doing so, they're leading others away and destroying their faith. That's what Paul is saying in this passage. Timothy When you handle God's word, cut it straight. Get to the heart of the matter. Don't get into bypath meadow. Don't go on the diversion. Don't go up this road or that road. Cut it straight. And for us as Christians, that's the challenge. As you and I study God's word, let's cut it straight. I want to ask you, believer, what effort are you making to intentionally grow in God's word? Of course you're here and that warms my heart. And you come out well on a Sunday night and a Wednesday night and that warms my heart. But did we read God's word daily this past week? That's not legalism. That's a privilege to read God's word. Believer, what's more precious to you, the word of God or your phone? What intentional steps are you taking to grow deeper into the word of God? 2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Useful to the master. If we're to be useful to the master, there's the first thing, we're to be grounded in scripture. Here's the second thing. Here's point two. We're to be running from evil and pursuing righteousness. Look what Paul goes on to say to Timothy and us. Drop down to verse 20. In a large house, here's an illustration. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. Paul is using to Timothy an illustration. What's the illustration? A large house. In this large house, there are some special articles that are only used on special occasions and there are other everyday articles, so to speak, that are used and maybe kept back in the kitchen, so to speak. 
But what's he getting at? What's this large house speaking of? Well, John Stott believes that there are two set, these two sets of articles in this large house represent a picture of the church and false teachers and true teachers in the church. In verse 20, Paul is probably referring back, according to John Stott, to the two different sorts of teachers in verses 14 to 19. The authentic teachers like Paul and Timothy and the bogus teachers like Hymenaeus and Philetus. But here is the exciting bit. I want you, if you're a Christian, to look on your life as a vessel, as a cup. And here is the thrilling thing. The Lord wants to come daily by his spirit as you seek his face and meet around his word and seek him. And what does he do with the cup of your life? He wants daily to fill the cup of your life with his blessing. You are his vessel, his instrument of blessing. Do you remember what Jesus said to Ananias after Saul had been converted and became Paul in Acts 9.15? He is my chosen vessel to carry my name before the Gentiles. Believer, grasp this. What are you and I doing every day? We are carrying, get this, we are carrying something of the presence of the living God before the world. Every genuine Christian is a vessel for the Lord to use. And you know, there's one condition. There's one condition for the Lord using us. Verse 21 tells us that condition. Look at it. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. What is the one condition? The one condition of God pouring his blessing into a believer's life. The one condition is that the cup of your life, of my life, might be clean. I often tremble and repent of the times I missed God using me. Because there was something in my life that grieved him and quenched his spirit. Believer, are you usable? Is the cup of your life clean? Let me use a, it's a rather silly illustration. Imagine tomorrow morning you go out somewhere in Kilkenny for a cup of coffee. And you sit down at the table and the waitress comes and uh, you order, you and your friend order a couple of coffees and they come back 10 minutes later and say, we're sorry, we don't have any clean cups, but there's a few cups left over from yesterday. And they're a little bit dirty, but the coffee will be lovely inside them. And they pour the coffee, lovely fresh coffee, but they pour it into a dirty cup. Would you drink it? You probably would be horrified. You would want a clean cup. God wants a clean cup. I say that again. God wants 
a clean cup. In fact, this is not just something Paul is touching on. He goes on to talk more in this. Look at verse 22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. That word flee, do you know the commentators tell us it's a fascinating word. Let me give you another situation where it was used in the New Testament. This word flee was not just used here in 2 Timothy 2.22. It was used in Matthew 2.13. When Mary and Joseph and the Christ child heard that Herod was killing all the baby boys two years and under, what did they do? They went, they fled. They ran away. Same word. Same word as the word that's used here. Run away from the evil desires of youth. Don't dabble in sin. Flee from it. Flee the evil desires of youth. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. People often say to me, what is God's will for my life? Here's God's will for your life. Here's God's will for my life. God wants us to be clean. God wants us to be sanctified. God wants us to be holy. Let me spell it out. And maybe you're saying it doesn't need spelled out. But listen, wake up, smell the coffee. It needs spelled out. No premarital sex. No messing around with somebody else's spouse. This means all sexual intimacy outside of a loving heterosexual marriage relationship is sinful. This means marriage vows are sacred and to be kept. This means no same-sex relationship. This means all pornography, whether in magazines, TV or on the internet, is sinful and wrong. Flee. Run away from it. If you're ever to be clean. And useful to the master. Flee the evil desires of youth. Look at the next word. And pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace. Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This word pursue. Do you know what it really means? It means to go in hot pursuit. To go in hot pursuit. Let me confess something to you. That always gets a congregation listening when you say, let me confess something. Many, many years ago, the guards stopped me for speeding. Hold up my hands. Okay. Let me give you the context and then you'll think it was probably okay. Um, There was a very tragic pastoral situation of a little girl in a congregation on a border congregation that I was serving in whose dad and brother had been killed tragically in a road accident and the little daughter was on a life support machine in Beaumont Hospital in Dublin. I just had buried dad and the wee boy. Tragic stuff. And then we were all going to Dublin to Beaumont Hospital to switch off the life support machine. So obviously I was speeding. And the Irish police stopped me, the guards stopped me and they were very good to me. Do you know what they gave? They gave me a police escort the whole way to Beaumont, I'd never been to Beaumont Hospital before, from Ochnacloy, just I was just across the border in County Monaghan, they stopped me, and they gave me a police escort the whole way. And I struggled to keep up with them, I tell you. But I went in hot pursuit. I went in hot pursuit of that Garda car, 
All the lights were red. When they were red, there was policemen there, guards there. And we went right through and we got to Beaumont Hospital and had to deal with that horrendously difficult situation. But that guard of car went in front of me. And what did I do? I went in hot pursuit. That's the picture. Flee the evil desires of youth. Run away from them. But go in hot pursuit. Chase after. Chase after what? Righteousness, faith, love and peace. Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I love what John Stott says. He gets it right. Look at the balance in this verse. Look at these profound words. We're both to run away from spiritual danger. And to run after spiritual good. Both to flee from the one in order to escape it. And pursue the other in order to attain it. This double duty of the Christian, negative and positive, is the consistent teaching of Scripture. So to pursue righteousness, it means to abandon living by our own rules. To pursue purity, it means abandon impurity. To pursue love, it means to abandon selfishness. To pursue peace, it means to abandon revenge. Is the cup clean? Heaven is waiting. Kilkenny needs Jesus. And the God of heaven is looking for clean cups. He's looking for clean cups to pour his blessing into. We need to be grounded in scripture. We need to be running from evil and pursuing righteousness. Here's the third thing. We need to be gentle towards our adversaries. Gentle towards our adversaries. Look what he goes on to say. Verses 23 and 24. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servants must must not quarrel. Instead he must be kind to everyone. Able to teach not resentful. Paul is giving Timothy this advice. Timothy, don't get into heated arguments. I often find when you engage people in spiritual conversation, lots of people love a bit of controversy, don't they? There's somebody at work and they maybe they, they, you talk to them about the Lord and then they say, but what about this or what about that or what about the other? And one book I was reading recently on evangelism by an English guy, Roger Carswell, was saying we need to discern the RH factor. Let me tell you what the RH factor. For some people, as you seek to evangelize them, there's a real hindrance. In other words, there's a big question that they need answered and there's a real hindrance from them getting to the cross. And in God's grace, you and I need to try and answer that question or get the answer to that question. That's the the real hindrance. But RH can also stand for the red herring. And there's other folks and they'll just take you off bypath meadow. And the love, all the controversy and all the red herrings of the day. And as you and I talk to people about Jesus, we need to discern the RH factor. But listen, we need to remember that nobody's been argued into the kingdom. I've never heard somebody testify and say they were argued into the kingdom. By all means, give a reason for the hope that we have. That's why we're doing this series on Sunday nights, Apologetics, Big Issues. And by all means, say what you believe to be the truth is. But remember, you and I are never ever going to argue in anybody into the kingdom. 
our argument will never save anybody. The Lord is the only person who will save people. That takes us to our fourth vital truth this morning. Confidence in God's ability to change lives. Confidence in God's ability to change lives. Look at verses 25 and 26. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that they will, God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. If you're not a Christian, look at verse 26. You're trapped. If you're not a Christian, you're trapped by the devil. The devil has you. The devil has you in his clutches. And there's only one person. There's only one person who has the ability to set you free. And that one person is Jesus, the Son of God. And if you're not a Christian this morning, in light of verse 26, I say to you what Paul said to Timothy, come to your senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken you captive to do his will. We need a fresh confidence in God's ability to save. Maybe you go to evangelize and you say, I'm not very good at this. I'm not very confident at this. That's okay. Let our confidence be in the Lord. Useful to the master. Why did Jesus leave his church on earth? To win the lost. To win the lost. Jesus wants his church here in Kilkenny to be useful to the master. There's a very powerful story. And let me emphasize it's just a story. But there's a very powerful story told about how Jesus after he died and rose again. He ascended back to heaven. And when he ascended back to heaven, some of the angels turned to the Lord Jesus and they said, Jesus, what plans have you made to carry this great message of what you did at the cross and through your resurrection to the ends of the earth? And Jesus turned to the angels and said, well, there's Peter and James and John and Andrew and a few others. They are my plan." This little group I've commissioned to take my message to the ends of the earth. And the angel protested, but master, suppose they don't go. Suppose they stay where they are. Have you another plan? Have you a plan B? To which Jesus replied, there's only one plan. Plan A is my church. Folks, I'm looking at his plan A. He doesn't have a plan B. I'm looking today at the people who can take the hope of the gospel to Kilkenny and further afield. I say this humbly this morning, but Kilkenny needs us. Why? Because they're trapped by the devil. We meet people and they're blind. And they're helplessly lost without Jesus. And they need Jesus. And what's the God of heaven just longing to do? He is longing to fill the cup of your life and the cup of my life with the blessing of God. And when you go to work tomorrow and people bump into you, if your cup's full, it will run over. 
and people will encounter something of the wonder of Jesus. God doesn't use dirty cups. Do you remember Romans 10, verse 14? How can they call on one in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? Useful. Useful to the master. I'm so glad it doesn't talk about academic qualifications. I'm so glad it doesn't ask about those with a charismatic personality. It just talks about those that have been with Jesus who are clean. That's the condition for being useful to the master. Will you remember there is no plan B? That office where you work, there is no plan B. Those lost family members, there is no plan B. The church believers are plan A. Believers are God's only plan. And he won't use dirty cups. Useful to the master. That's the challenge. Missed opportunities. Wow. So many of them in my life. So many of them in my life. Have you missed opportunities? Are you useful to the master?